Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the number one home of Ukrainian football in English language. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafot24, and it's always, it's my pleasure to welcome my excellent co-host, Mr. Zoria Londonsk, Andrew. Now, Andrew, I know you've had a busy old weekend there, but how are you doing this evening, mate? Hope you've been keeping warm today. Mm, not really. I've uh, been at Shakhtar's training this afternoon and snow has begun, but it's turned into rain as the day's gone on. So from progressively being freezing to getting cold, but you know, we're, we're getting by. We'll see how it is at uh, the Sheriff match when we end up uh, going to that tomorrow. Uh, we can't wait for all the news from it as well. We'll be talking a little bit that, about that later in the show tonight, but we've got an exclusive for you today. It's one I've been looking forward to for a very long time. We're really honoured to welcome Anton Terokhov from the Ukrainian Information Service. Good evening, Anton. How are you today? Good evening. My, uh, it's very pleasure to be uh, today. Chernomoris have great game. <laughs> Luz, uh, it's uh, it's uh, this life, this life of Chernomoris today. It really is. It really is. Now, of course, as you know there, Anton is an expert on everything Chornomorets. He's been reporting on them for a number of years, and there's been a lot of stories about them in the press, across the medias, over right up to the last week. So we're looking forward today to finding out lots more about what's going on behind the scenes at the club. And Anton... If you will allow me, can I ask you, there's been a lot of discussion about the stadium and the club. So who are the owners of the stadium presently and what is their relationship with the club? Okay, uh, the stadium began to be built in 2007 and was completed in 2011. Its construction was carried out by one of Klimov's associates and belonged to Klimov. Uh, there was minimal support from the regional authorities, but the stadium was built at the end of Klimov and belonged to him. I am at a loss to say what legal entities it was registered for in any case the ultimate owner was there. Of course, uh, Klimov. <laughs> but Klimov, <yeah>. oh. <laughs> Very interesting. Local yeah. oligarch. <laughs> Absolutely. How was the debt able to accumulate over the years? What has the issues been from that side? Chernomoris Stadium, the club's base in Savignon, and possibly some other property of Klimov served as collateral for the operations of Klimov's bank, Imix Bank. In 2040, an economic crisis began in Ukraine, and in 2015, the process of cleaning up the banking system began. Klimov Bank uh, 
actively attracted funds from the population to deposit account. Before the start of the bankruptcy procedure for Emix Bank, Klimov disturbed loans to his own legal entities through controlled structures, withdraw money from the bank. The population deposits in banks were provided by the state. Therefore, the courts sized property, including the Chernomori Stadium, and a little later the base in Sauvignon. The stadium was sold after the 17 action and repeated price reduction of the American company Allrise Capital. At the moment, the club is a legal entity may have some other property of Klimov, but Chernomoris is now a brand and a number of contracts with players. Ah, that's good to hear. So just to clarify there, um, Klimov was taking money out of the bank himself and using it to fund other entities, but then the club and the stadium were indebted to the bank. So when the state took over the bank, they were able to seize the stadium and the club as collateral damage in paying off Klimov's debts at that time. But now it's great to see that Chornomoretz is its own legal entity and free of that. But earlier this year, of course, the big news, I think, in Ukrainian football was the relationship that has developed between Klimov and Circus at Dynamo Kiev. And so what exactly is this relationship between the two of them? It's very bizarre for people who follow Ukrainian football. Uh, most likely there wasn't. Klimov clearly uh, did not belong to any one of the orbits. For quite a long time, Klimov gravitated more towards Ahmetov's sphere of influence. The games of Chernomoris were broadcast on Ahmetov's TV channels. The club was oriented towards Shakhtar in many aspects of its functioning. Uh, but Klimov collaborated with the Turkish in the same way. At one time, the 2 plus 2 TV channel was the title sponsor of Chernomoris. Klimov prefers to lean towards situational cooperation depending on the current situation. It's just that this year Klimov and Turkish have considered interest. Makes sense. It does make sense. It's like the two paths have collided, I think, Andrew. And it certainly caused an explosion, I think, this year. Yep, well, <laughs> lots of anger towards <laughs> that, I think. Not only from Tron Moritz fans, but also Dynamo fans. So if we're going to just delve a bit deeper into that, uh, Anton, was the partnership a last resort or something that Klimov actively went for, sought to see, you know, to try and solve the problem. Uh, Klimov passed at uh, the peak of his power roughly at the same time as uh, the fall of Yanukovych. Klimov was a key representative of the party of regions in Odessa for a long time. And in 
2030, uh, the, he went up. Uh, his status was that of an advisor to President Yanukovych. Uh, 2040 was a turning point for Klima. He is no longer a young man. His business empire is in decline. It is still quite large. He has a lot of commercial real estate, hotels, office, and shopping centers. But he did not want to spend $2-3 million annually on since at least 2090, Klimov has been constantly looking for buyers for the club. In 2021, such a compromise was found. The club remains under Klimov, but at least costs of the players' salaries are covered by Dynamo. It's all very confusing for me. It still is, but uh, at, at least the club's been surviving, even though Klimov's interest has uh, sort of started to to Wayne and as you say he's been been looking for owners and in the last few weeks news has come out about two Odessa businessmen who are I'm not sure have they bought the club or are they in the process of buying the club and you know, what will these new owners bring to the table? Are they credible? I would estimate the likelihood that the new owners will still buy the club at 70-80%. Very serious sources spoke about the deal. As you may have noticed in Ukraine, sports are mostly played by the bad guys. Kaufman and Granovsky are just such. According to my, to my information, he is very fond of football. I'm not sure about Kaufman, but Kaufman and Granovsky are very great friends. Perhaps Boris is also a fan. The interests of Kaufman Granovsky are quite diverse. At the moment, they have the monopoly in the cigarette wholesale market. Once they own it and alcoholic business and, and seem to be very successful in selling it. They own an airport in Odessa and possibly in some other cities too. They already own two banks that have gone bankrupt. They own several iconic hotels in Odessa. Londonskaya, Passage, they are unlikely to be predictable owners. For example, a criminal case has been opened against Granovsky in Israel. <laughs> However, Kaufman and Granovsky are very stable guys. And, <laughs> and somehow they have always overcome their difficulties. I think they will follow the standard path of a club owner. Great interest in the beginning then decrease in attention and costs. I think they will stabilize around five, eight places. Mm -hmm. Most likely, they do not have such money to constantly be in the European competition zone. They say uh, that Klimov was unwilling to communicate in everything related to outside assistance to the club. Curtain businessmen were ready to lend their shoulders in difficult times and get their portion of attention at the same time. But according to rumors, Klimov did not accept such help. If Kaufman Gronowski turns out to be more flexible, then maybe things will go better for them. Perhaps 
they will be able to organize the work of the academy and sell the papers. The club has potential that can be used. Klima is the most primitive owner of the club. There is a hope that uh, other owners will get a title more. In any case, Kaufman, Gronowski, Haifro proven to be quite unical asset owners who behave like predators. It is difficult to say how they will show themselves in managing the asset that attract so much attention. Wow, that's actually quite quite interesting. Uh, so it could be another another soap opera once they get in charge. <laughs> but you hope that at least, like you say there, Anton, that if they're sitting in fifth to eighth top half of the UPL, at least there'll be maybe some sort of stability. And I've got a few friends that are uh, Trodden and Moritz fans, ultras. I met them when I was in in town for Bulgaria match and they were telling me how they currently hate the system that they have all the players on loan and just in general I don't think they like it and the same with Dynamo Kiev who obviously Trono Moritz and Dynamo Kiev ultras are sworn enemies probably bigger enemies than Shakhtar and Dynamo so what is the current feeling by the fans how do you think uh, they will react to the news of the of the new owners. The final audience picked in 2040 and science then is steadily decreased. At the start of this year, Chernomoris had only fans who are ready to support the team in almost any condition. And then Klimov struck the last blow, at least from the worst enemy, Dynamo Kiev. At the last <laughs> round of matches of the Premier League against the background of Restrictions associated with the pandemic. Three, four hundred people come to the stands. People are as tired as possible of Klimov and his trick. According to my impressions from what I read on discussion read on social networks, about two-thirds are as Accept, accepting of anyone, if only it was not Klimov. The remaining thoughts adhere to pessimistic assessments Probably they are already tired of believing in the bright future of the club. This third is not happy about Kaufman Gronowski reputation. Everyone is tired of the constant rumors about the change of owner at Chernomore, and they already want some final irrefutable information. But in general, fans of course expect that Klimov departure will uh, lead to positive change. I think everyone who isn't associated with the club is also hoping that Klimov's departure is going to lead to positive change with Chornomorets being one of the true historic clubs of Ukrainian football, one of the, you know, the great cornerstones of the game here. And hopefully the club will get back to its rightful place. I mean, Anton, I can only say from, you know, Andrew and myself here, thank you so much. We've, you know, it's it's been great to get this inside look at the club here so thank you so much for it and i mean we wish you the best the best and the club the best of luck and hopefully we get get some positive news in the future uh, i know you need to go and i know you're not you're not going to be staying for the rest of the show but so for for people listening if they want to you know follow the story follow your your news uh, a little more 
Where on social media, where on media can they connect with you? My uh, Facebook, Anton Cherehov, uh, Cheres K. T-E-R-E-K-H-O-V. My Instagram, Anton Terehov, B-S-K, T-E-R-E-H-O-V. Perfect, perfect. I know a lot of people have been asking us about what's going on at Chornomoritz, and I'm sure they'll have lots of questions to ask you as well. Well, that was absolutely fantastic insight by Anton there about Chornomoritz. Now, it's great to welcome my other wonderful co-host in for the remainder of the show today, Ray. How you doing, mate? Hello, Adam. Hello, Andrew. Yeah, last time, remember, I said that I won't be missing Obolon. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> so, what the hell? Uh, uh, great to be here again, and uh, we are summarizing the Premier League, the one and only. It is. It's like last man standing, isn't it, <laughs> these days? It's a lot quieter. I mean, we started off the match day, didn't we, at... Olympiski this this weekend. Bizarre match, wasn't it, Andrew? Well, yeah, you can say so. It was not the best weather, was it? Uh, sort of ah. sleet slash rainy stuff, which has obviously continued on Monday. As for the actual match itself, well, we were joking about it when we were sitting there, me and you, Adam. You were like, well, this is going to be a not the best, is it, after, you know, the first half where Lviv went ahead and we were like, oh dear, surely, the well, the last time we watched a match together was a uh, 6-1 when Shukhtar beat Zorya. So, you know, somehow lightning struck twice and uh, yeah, we saw another 6-1, didn't we? Maybe you're the good luck charm there, Adam, um, for goals galore. <laughs> I mean, what much... What much can we say other than uh, Mudrik masterclass in the second half? He didn't have the best first half, but he came to life once uh, Olivia tired. Patrick of assists, plus winning a penalty. So technically four assists, yeah. if you want to count it like that. And uh, man of the match award. And now, just this past weekend, there's rumours and more or less confirmed that he's going to be in the extended Ukraine national team uh, squad list for the playoff against Scotland in March. So all good things come to those who wait and the breakthrough season continues for uh, the Ukrainian Neymar. Really is, really is. I mean, how, how are they shaping up ahead of the, the Sheriff game? I think they're doing okay. It's expected that a lot of youngsters will be given a chance in this one because it's a rather dead rubber match. Evidently in Europe with Shakhtar not having a European spring, Hence, there's bigger focus on the away game against Alexandria on the weekend, the final match before the winter break. So I think um, we can expect a lot of those academy graduates to feature again, the ones that came off the bench on Friday against Lviv, Bondarenko, impressing Sudokov, getting more chances. Yeah, I think in general, it should be an interesting game. Uh, You know, I'm not sure what uh, Yuri Vernadoba's got under his sleeve. But uh, we'll see. Just, yeah, whilst we're talking about it, I just want to ask, get your opinion on one thing that the Zerbi was talking about in the, the press conference. And, I mean, we've, we've criticised him a lot <laughs> during the autumn uh, part of the season. But do you think he deserves credit for the chances he is giving to young Ukrainian players in the UPL in particular, there seems to have been a lot of game time and we're seeing progression from Mudrik, 
seen a little bit of progression from Sikan. Bondarenko's playing more, Sudakov's starting to play a bit. Konopilia's playing a lot more this season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel he's certainly entrusted the youth a bit more than uh, Castro did in his predecessor, because I feel, for whatever reason, Castro's probably under more pressure, you know, for more instant success, whereas... Deserby evidently a lot of money has been thrown his way so they're going to give him more time for you know that development yeah well we can only wait and see we really can but yeah, so far the signs have been quite good it was great to see all the youngsters sort of bonding on the pitch on Friday night and then on Saturday of course Dinamo travelled to Western Ukraine to face Veres. I mean if there was a a reasonably easy warm-up match for uh, ahead of a Champions League game. I think Veres this season seems to be it. They, I th- if I'm going to be polite, I think Veres have targeted the weaker teams in the league for their points this season and don't really sort of step up against the top clubs. Maybe I'll get shot down for that. Great to see Verbage back. Two goals there, wasn't it? It was uh, nice, nice to see him. Good goals as well. Both of them were quality finishes, I thought, there. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah, Benfica, not in the greatest form at the moment, beaten by Sporting um, at the weekend in the derby. Of course, the previous game was a bit of a farce with, <laughs> with the COVID game there in the league as well. So it's kind of, I mean, this afternoon when I was looking at Benfica, I was feeling I had a slight little bit of optimism ahead of the match. And then somebody goes and tells me that Dinamo have been trapped at the airport for four hours today. You got a clue what's going on with that? Why, why wasn't the plane taking off? There's not been confirmation what the issue was, but apparently something to do with the plane. And I mean, pretty bad weather, but you wouldn't expect it to be so bad for them not to be able to take off. Anyway, uh, I don't think it's going to be that detrimental. Maybe they'll get some cramp from sitting in a seat for <laughs> an extra few hours than expected. But, uh, you know, they're still going to be arriving there as they they have departed by the time we're recording this. They'll arrive um, okay and then they've still got the day before for training and then the match day. The only issue I'd probably disagree with you there, Adam, is that probably for Benfica there's more riding on this game than for Dinamo. Obviously, Dinamo mm-hmm. can you know, play for pride and get coefficient points that are desperately needed for Ukraine. But I think that might not be enough when the fact is that Benfica, I think the ball is in their court to progress into the Champions League knockout rounds. And obviously with their manager under pressure now for those poor league performances um, of late and, you know, not being able to beat Barca with that really bad open goal and even the fact that a lot of people are now um, disappointed with the fact that Yadam Chuk has fallen off the face of a cliff in terms of form. He's not being picked by the manager. Apparently, there's rumours that he might go to Barca, but that's sort of completely rumours so far and that they're not fully interested in him for him to be going there just yet. So, yeah, after what was quite a strong start where they were beating everything that was coming ahead of them, um, along with... Yadam Chuk's form, their decline's been slight as well. It certainly has, certainly has. Um, what do you reckon? Any chance Ramirez is going to start on Wednesday? That could be the quickest turnaround in anyone's <laughs> <laughs> Um If that happens, fair enough. But uh, 
yeah, you know, we've heard the rumours that he might be leaving, but I feel that that was probably just a, a bit quick for people to be going. And obviously he's back in the squad and, yeah. you know, he's still got a lot of chances to get involved. I mean, there's been a lot of problems with him, I think, over the past few months with, you know, uh, international breaks where he comes back and then he has to miss a match day because he's like flown back that, that night before the game and all this other stuff. So with obviously the winter break not helping because there's no international games on and obviously there's no football for you, the Ukrainian sides on either, that might be a bit detrimental. But for now, maybe you can get a bit of a few minutes before the before the winter break and then start afresh with the winter training camps and get going because obviously he turned up late during the summer. So and it could and I should add he's probably going to be missing those as I believe there's a cotton ball international window at the end of January when they're catching up with their qualification. So he could be missing for a couple of weeks there. I'm not hundred percent certain, but I do believe it. I know. So uh Going to be an interesting one for him. Uh, our final sort of European representatives, I say sort of, because they're <laughs> not put on the greatest show and they didn't put on the greatest show this weekend either, did they, against Ingolet? So that's uh, Zoria. It's a very sort of scrappy, scrappy game there. I think the only sort of little glimmer of optimism is the fact that Bodo have qualified and... That's pretty concrete. I don't think they can be caught by Roma in their group. And this weekend is the final game in Bodo in the Norwegian League. And Bodo are three points clear going into the final game. So they do need a point from their league game at the weekend uh, to clinch the, the title and Champions League football for them next year. So... I do feel with them we may see a weakened team travelling to Zaporizhia and hopefully Zoria can pick up some some coefficients. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the, the league, though, I, what's the situation with the coefficients? It seems that the sort of extra urgency this season regarding the points. Where are Ukraine at the moment in the coefficient table? Uh, they're currently 11th. Um, I'm pretty sure Serbia are very close behind and they've got uh, Red Star Belgrade still in the competition, more or less certain going into the spring. Uh, I think they might need like uh, another two or three wins though to pip Ukraine. Um, and then everything behind, I think, is a bit, a bit harder. So, I mean, any wins this week will help boost Ukraine just that little bit to ensure that from next season they can give it another go. But yeah, as we've mentioned from next season, Ukraine lose their automatic UCL group stage spot and uh, I think the winner of the UPL goes into the uh, competition at the playoff round. So, I mean, not the worst, but evidently you might be getting some hard fixtures in that one. So, you know, the more coefficients points picked up just every time that is possible then the better it's going to be for Ukraine but yeah slight decline over the past few years but maybe might be going on its way up uh, with the teams that we've mentioned uh, last week in our Petroliha Duhaliha special definitely I'm just going to chip in there I've 
just done my research, backed it up. Venezuela played Bolivia on the 27th of January and then away in Uruguay on the 1st of February, which is right in the middle of spring training. So we'll see what happens to Ramirez there. Ray, you've been busy this weekend watching all the other games for us. What's what's been going on in them, mate? Yeah, as you said, Adam, you've done your research. I've done mine as well, and I and I'm saying that uh, in terms of Ukrainian teams losing that automatic spot in UCL, there's nothing else for us to do as to concentrate on the mid-table of UPL. Some interesting uh, action going on there. Vorskla has played a game and uh, their keeper is now a record holder of uh, saved penalties, although that didn't help them to beat Ruch, which is the team, which is one of the teams I wanted to concentrate on because of um, their uh, style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really decent. Uh, well, it's controversial, but uh, for me, it's a really decent image and uh, sort of uh, the game setup they have been producing. Yeah, they're not far from the relegation zone, only two wins, uh, two loses, actually, for them. But uh, overall, I would really, really like to see them in the middle of the table as uh, where they currently are with Metalist 1925, Veres, uh, Alexandria, which uh, swapped the coach last season, and everybody... Uh, were saying that they are going to relegate straight away, but they are not. They are backing, backed up by uh, Desna, and I don't think they're going to chase, chase Worskla in the end of the season. So we are pretty concrete on the fact that the mid-table of UPL is now something we would like to see and something to be brought up there, like the seeds to grow, because apart from that, we know that Shakhtar and Dynamo are just out of everyone's reach. And mm-hmm. the bottom of the table, they're just waiting for the season to end and just to be, you know, relegated and forgotten about, just like Olympic did the other day. So overall, my point is the mid-table is what, we, what we'll be happy to see more of in the remainder of the season. Definitely so. Very well put there. It does look like those four at the bottom are starting to get cut adrift. Um, Manai and Ingolets joining the two the two B teams. I know, Anton, I hope you're not listening to this bit after we were talking about John Moritz bouncing back. Well, it will be, will be, it's going to be tough for them to, to, to survive the drop this season from what we've seen in the first half of the the season there. Uh, before we go today, there are a couple of uh, things quickly to touch on. Of course, uh, we've mentioned Dinamo Shakhtar and Zarya in European action this week. They aren't the they are not the only teams with shitlabs or WFC Kharkiv as they're known in European circles playing their fifth Champions League group stage. They welcome PSG to Kharkiv on Wednesday. It's a do-or-die game for them with Real Madrid travelling to Iceland in the other group match. Um, from what I can see, three points for them is is the requirement and what will be a very difficult game. The only hope for them really is that PSG are already through and will maybe rest some people. And uh, before we go as well, the under-17 skills national team 
the draw for the 2022 European Championships takes place on Thursday. So keep an eye out for that. The team has made the final knockout stage before the qualif- before the finals tournament. They're going to be drawn into groups of four. They did well to get through the first stage. And fingers crossed for them, we get some good matches. And they have a chance of making Bosnia next spring. And we'll see the next generation of ladies coming through to represent Ukraine. But that's it for today, I think. Well, I hope people will join us next week because we've got a, a, a real sort of corker lined up for the end of the, the autumn season. Right. Great insight as always. I'm going to be keeping an eye on those mid-table teams myself this weekend, mate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, for for new listeners, where can they get in touch with you? Somewhere on Instagram, I believe. <laughs> I mentioned it in previous spots. And if you haven't been listening, sorry about that. Too late for you. Too late for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mr. Zoria Londonsk, where can they find you on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zoria Londonsk, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, uh, Ukraine Plus Football. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes, please do. Of course, I'm Adam at Ukrafot24. It's been another great one and a bit excited about what's happening in Odessa. We'll have to go down and find out again sometime soon. But till then, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now. <laughs> Head in, who's head in?